0: The Fail-On Podcast, episode
1: 009. I remember even going out. I didn't, like, I don't really drink. I didn't start drinking until I was, like, 20. And I would go with my friends on the weekend, and they were starting to drink, you know, because you're, like, you're just doing that. And I remember thinking, this is such a waste of time. You guys are going to spend here four or five hours going drinking, doing stuff, where I can go home and learn C++. And I would just leave and then spend my whole night trying to learn something. I just felt like I needed to learn, and I I needed to do it before anyone, because I didn't want to wait
0: For anybody anymore. Welcome to the Fail On Podcast, where we explore the hardships and obstacles today's industry leaders face on their journey to the top of their fields through careful insight and thoughtful conversation. By embracing failure, we'll show you how to build momentum without being consumed by the result. Now, please welcome your host, Rob Nunnery. Hey there and welcome to the show that believes you are destined for more and that failing your way to an inspired life is the only way to get there. Today we are sitting down with Dylan Jones. He is an entrepreneur and co-founder of ClickFunnels. ClickFunnels has grown into a massive, massive online success allowing anyone to create sales funnels online with just a few clicks of the mouse. Their goal this year is to hit $100 million in revenue up from $30 million a year ago. We'll be discussing how he started ClickFunnels with Russell Brunson and how he was able to buy a condo for his mom. He discusses the growth trajectory of the business and how the business generating $30,000 the very first month was actually a huge failure. He also discusses how free self-education online can absolutely change your life and the best way to get started in business today. But first, if you'd like to stay up to date on all the Failon podcast interviews and key takeaways from each guest, simply go to failon.com and sign up for our newsletter that's at the bottom of the page. And again, that's failon.com. So obviously, ClickFunnels has turned into a massive success. I mean, you guys just, you guys just hosted that event in Dallas, which mm-hmm. my entire social media for I think the 3 4 days was just literally of just you know funnel hacking <laughs> that's literally my entire Facebook feed that during that time <laughs> you know I felt like the whole world was there
1: <laughs> all my facebook was just like is there anybody not at this event at this point
0: <laughs> it looked awesome you guys had tony robbins it looked just mm-hmm. looked phenomenal and I've, all the feedback that i got was was great that's awesome thank you man but the thing is, I don't think many people actually know you exist. And not in a bad way, of course, but I mean, <laughs> Russell Brunson's obviously the face of the company doing most of the promotion and marketing. And I just mm-hmm. don't think many people realize that there's a lot more going on behind the scenes. So I'm really excited to hear and share your story with the listeners. Perfect. I'm, I'm excited too. There's a lot to tell. Can't For wait sure. to get into it, it. So what were you doing before even getting on that crazy ride with ClickFunnels? Give us an idea of how you got started in business pre-ClickFunnels days. So pre-ClickFunnels, I was basically doing the what a lot of internet marketers
1: do, which is like the whole launch thing. So basically, I was a, a web designer and developer partnering with other people that were the face, which is exactly the situation I'm in kind of now, which is Russell's the face. He's the one that can sell everything, but we're the ones that actually like, you know, create the software and do all that kind of stuff. So this is a pretty normal situation for me to be in where I'm behind the scenes doing all these launches. The problem with before was we did launches constantly, like every month we did a new software. So I think I created like at least 50 different software products doing the designs and the programming. It just gets exhausted. So finally, when we partnered with Russell to do all this awesome stuff, ClickFunnels, it was like, we're only going to do one product, right? It's just going to be the one thing <laughs> and we're going to do it for the next five years. Like, sweet. Thank God. <laughs> Let's just do that. So that was
0: that's what I was doing click ClickFunnels. That's crazy. 50 different software products. That's, I mean, obviously. That's what I can remember. Yeah. (laughs)
1: There's probably even more.
0: And so just take me back to one of those projects, for example. How long would it take you to create that software? Were they all pretty similar or were you building it from scratch? And was it an ongoing product that people used for years and years or was it kind of just a smash and grab type thing? That's a good
1: question because a lot of them were WordPress related. So back in the day, like a few years ago, WordPress, you know, WordPress plugins was the, the easy way. And that was because you can create software and people can just use it right away. Because the issue was, you know, if they have to install it and they have to set up PHP, and it was just harder. So WordPress came out and it was just easy to develop on it and everyone was using it. So we just made a bunch of WordPress plugins. And honestly, near the end of it, I just built my own framework so it was easy to make plugins. So the the hard part was like the idea and the design and making sure people wanted it. So it actually was maybe a few weeks of just, you know, actually making this stuff. Most you know products are pretty easy, like, you know, like they do this and then they output this and you just keep doing that. So it wasn't,
0: it wasn't a big thing. Gotcha. And going back to all of those, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure even before that, how'd you get into, are you more on the design side or are you more on the development side? So I'm on both. So this is the fail on
1: podcast. I have some interesting story of how I actually started doing this. So I'll start when I was young and how I got basically into the whole entrepreneur game and everything like that. So yep. that will kind of answer the question that you just asked. So when I was in high school, my mom was sick, so she has a like disability, right? And so when I was in grade nine, I was wanted to be a, a video game designer. So I found out that all most video game designers that work with Epic or Ubisoft and all these places actually were like modders for video games so I was like sweet so if I can get a video game and I can mod the video game show what I can do and then I get a job at Ubisoft so I can go to you know college and do that whole normal career path thing and then in grade nine I started a a rock and roll kind of hardcore punk band so I was kind of a rebel when I was a kid (laughs) And then we needed a website, so I was like, oh, man, I'll, I'll do that. Like I knew like I was making video games and stuff, so like, I'll make a website. That's no problem. I probably needed a website for my video game anyway, so sweet. It works. So I started making that. And then near the end of grade 9, I remember one teacher – came up to me or it was like part of the class and these people in the class were kind of being annoying and then he just stopped everything he was doing and he's like, what's the point of teaching you math? That's what it was. You're just going to be working at
0: McDonald's anyways. <laughs> oh, no. and
1: I was like, what?
0: Motivational this... teacher of the year. Huh?
1: Yeah, no. Oh yeah. Great. But he actually was the favorite teacher of the school. Like everyone loved this dude. Yeah. And so I was kind of excited to have him in my, you know, teach me. And then he just became this huge jerk. And then I was like, this is the guy who's teaching me. He says like, he's like the best I can do is a McDonald's. Like what the heck? So that's when I was kind of getting starting to be disillusioned by the whole system as a punk rocker. Sure. And then so I, I remember one class I had. I was doing some web design stuff, and a teacher came over. A different teacher came over, and he's like, "Oh, that's great. You should maybe do like web design as your career." And I was like, the first thought I had, I had was like f that i will never work for a client for some reason in my head i thought this was working for the man and i was like i'm never going to do this i'm not going to work for the man you know like a punk rocker dude what year and is this then, by
0: the way just cuz what year was this just for some context was oh, web design still know. really new at that time where it was like no, a, i mean
1: it was like 12 13 years ago so i'm not okay. sure what year that is you know whatever that the sure, math is sure. right? But yeah, so he wanted to be like a web designer. He told me I should be a web designer. I was like, no, that's that's not what I do. I don't want to do. It. I never want to work for a client. For some reason, I thought that was the the worst thing ever. Then I started getting just more disillusioned with school. And then school stopped becoming about learning and more about like just going to work at McDonald's. And then also started becoming, I just have to go to school because if I'm not in school, then my mom doesn't get her disability check or for, at least to support us, right? Mm like a thousand bucks extra a month so school stopped becoming a part being being relevant at all only for me to actually just be Physically present and I was always skipping school because I was like learning coding and I was like It's more important to me to stay up all night and code than it is to go to school So I got all these pressures to like go to school But only because I needed to it basically was, it was framed as if you're not going to school You're screwing your mom over money and like, you know, you're like you're being the worst kid ever and I was like, that's terrible then a week later after the teacher told me to be a web designer, I went and find, I was like, how to get a job as a web designer. <laughs> I found uh, this website, getafreelancer.com. And then I found a little a job for 200 bucks. I did it and took me a day to do. And I did a few more jobs and then about like I made a few thousand dollars. And then the week after I dropped out of high school because I realized the biggest F you to the system is to go my own way and not let them, you know, stop me and like give me all this, you know like bullshit really so that's how i started being a web designer and from there what grade were you in when you dropped out all that kind of stuff happened in grade nine and this is basically the start of grade 10 oh wow so, so,
0: so pretty early on in high school then yeah no totally like, great right
1: from the start basically.
0: so what was your what was your process there like your thought process and you know what did your mom think in terms of you doing that to not have not be able to get that disability check
1: i think everyone was kind of scared but like I just do that like if I can make you know a few thousand dollars in the first week I can probably can do this consistently and then and I knew it like even a few thousand was, was enough to where like all the external stuff became irrelevant now because it's like Oh, we can do this on our own. We don't have to wait for some teacher to tell us what to do. or We don't have to wait for some jerk from the government, like being mean to me, coming into my class, seeing if I was there, and all that stuff. So I was like, you know, I'm going to leave and just do it myself. And then I got my own
0: apartment. and Then I had to like, you know, real bills and stuff. So it was I,
1: exciting. I think also, there's
0: a, I think there's a good lesson there. It's so you didn't actually quit high school. It's it's almost like I think a lot of our listeners are in jobs right now that want to start their own business or have bigger aspirations than working Mm -hmm. for somebody else. And I think a lot of the times people think that they have to just quit their job and start a business and then hope it works. And it really puts them in a bad spot if they have bills to pay, if they have a family to support. Mm -hmm. So I think, I mean, with your experience quitting high school, I'm trying to make a parallel here. You already had money coming in from the freelancing gigs before Mm -hmm. you decided to turn down or to quit high school and turn down that disability check, correct? Oh no, yeah, no, totally. Like I
1: that was the reason I knew it was possible. Otherwise I would have, you know, continued to play the, you know, the, the school game and try and get a job as a as a developer at a game company. So yeah, most definitely had the I knew it was possible and I knew I can keep doing it. so from there, one of my first clients, this is how I got into marketing as well. It's a funny story. So I had a few clients here and there, but one of my first clients was a guy who made me design pop-up ads that was like win a free TV, put your email in. And this guy was like, he was paying me a few grand a month, like consistently for about six months. So it's direct, direct deposit right to my bank account. And I didn't question it because know I was like 16, 17. (laughs) There's no way I'm going to like, yeah, you can pay me and I'll design these scammy pop up ads all day long. (laughs) And there's only so many ways you can design it, by the way, like TV on the left, TV on the right, TV in the middle.
0: Pretty limited with your creativity, huh?
1: Oh, no, totally. Near the end of the thing, I was like, dude, like this is a total scam, right? Like you're not giving TVs away. Like it's this is kind of bullshit and he's like no man I'm giving TV ways about like 60 TVs a month or something and I was like what that's insane how is that even possible and he's like "Then he introduced me to the whole idea of like CPA and he was selling them to mortgage some companies and I was like that's insane that was the most insane thing I've ever heard when I was that age that's how I got into the marketing world to kind
0: of just stumble upon it by designing stuff and you're 28 now right and that was when you're 16 so about 12 years ago
1: yeah and it's pretty crazy and then from there, I just kept doing it until I until I got into more to the programming side of stuff. But that was like the thing that kind of you know took me off into this world was just you know knowing that I can do it, especially the skills of like being a marketer or a designer where you don't really need the the schooling; you can learn it by yourself and then just run with it and go as far as you can with it.
0: Got it. So to, to kind of recap so far in your journey is ninth grade. You started maybe a little earlier. You started rebelling. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to work for the man. Thought there must be a better way, so started, you know, learning coding at home, designing, developing. Started getting paid for it through some freelance sites. At that point, you decided to drop out, quit, and then I'm sure you you could actually have more than that—a thousand dollar disability check for your mom at that point, right? Because you were you were probably making more than than oh, that, yeah, that, that totally. check would provide. So it yeah. was actually a win win there. And then you moved into doing bigger jobs for the CPA guy, and then eventually started doing launches before getting into ClickFunnels. Is that kind of the timeline?
1: Sorry, sorry to cut you off. That was kind of leads into like the first, like my first product after that was like one of the biggest failures that I did. So I wanted to make a product that was a, a video marketing software that like you had a video and then at the end of the video, it would redirect to like a page, but it would be people's affiliate links. And then people can share that video with the other person's affiliate link in it. And it, it worked really well for the MLM world, but I, I didn't know that world. So I only had one paying customer and it was like some MLM guy that I didn't understand that. It's like, you know, you really got to know your customer. So right. that, that <laughs> failed. But the one of the things that the failed was I was doing the design of it. So I was like a designer. So I, I knew how to design it. I knew how to do some most of the coding, at least the front end coding, but none of the back end coding. So... When I was like 17, I was paying this developer like three grand a month, which is basically all the money I was making. So all the money I was making, I was hiring this guy for about three grand a month. Did it for about six months, and at the end of it, it just never worked. It was just constantly like there's always this issue I can never launch. And then I got so impatient with it, I was like, Hey, I have to like learn what you're doing. It was PHP, doing all of the database stuff. And so it failed because I couldn't, you know, give any money to it anymore. But it did make me the other skill that I have, which is all the back end stuff. So I can design it, do market it, and I can do the front end stuff. But I can also do the back end stuff because I'm incredibly impatient with people and with skills. If I have to hire it, I might hire it at once or I'm just going to learn it myself and do it now because like I can probably learn it in the next few hours and get it done in the next few hours and then spend much time. To go hire somebody, which is a great skill when you're starting, but when you're actually getting to a business like the size ClickFunnels, you have to start letting stuff go. You have That's, to delegate, right?
0: Yeah. Going back to that failure, looking back now, what would you have done differently, if anything, to have a different outcome there, with what you've learned from it?
1: Yeah, most, and this is probably like what everyone does is we we try and do like the ultimate thing. We're like, this is going to be the ultimate product, and it has to have. This, 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 and this, and this before it ever can launch and and that's you know your your own made up fat like fantasy if for a reason like this has to be the ultimate thing in reality, like it could have launched like with like half of even like one percent of all the things I wanted to do, it could have launched with just the one percent or in some other m v p version of it, and I would have been finding out like. If people wanted it and I knew people wanted it but then also one of my as I said before the customer really was the network marketing side of stuff which I didn't understand at all because it was sharing their feelings and they're you know putting on blogs and all that stuff and it made more sense for the multi-tiered stuff and I didn't understand that so I ignored those people and I tried to do the ultimate thing so those are the two things not understand your customer and trying to
0: do too much too soon. So if you would have launched faster, you could have gotten more feedback to see if it's even something somebody needed. And it would allow you to understand who the market was a lot better yeah. to better create product. And if, it, and if that I product. wasn't so tied to the idea of like my idea
1: as who I wanted to serve and who I thought this was good for, like I was blind to everything else. Like if you weren't my specific, if you weren't like me <laughs> trying to buy it, then I was like, I don't understand you. Why are you buying this? Yeah, sure. <laughs> right. Like right. it was. it was a... It's a learning experience for sure.
0: Very good. So let's get into ClickFunnels now. So as the co-founder, what exactly are you responsible for in the business? How many partners are there? And what's everybody's kind of role and responsibility?
1: Yeah, so right now my main focus is on the higher level stuff, which is like the product design and how that kind of like fits into making everything easier and then marketable and all that kind of stuff. But for my day-to-day job, what I do is mainly the editor. So like making sure the editor works, making sure you can drag and drop and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It started with just three of us. So Russell Brunson, Todd Dickerson, and myself. Russell does all the selling, obviously. And then Todd is more the back-end guy. So I, I could do some of the back-end. He was teaching me some Ruby on Rails. But he's just, like, so much better at it. And it was just, like, you know, I don't have to worry about, like, the hard problems. He can do that. <laughs> so that's sure. it just started up as us three. And now we have a few more partners. We have the CTO. And he takes care of a lot of the bigger problems that, like, a company, basically trying to make the, the product even scalable and written in a certain way that is more of a normal company. Because one of the things we found is that, like, we're all founders and founders do everything very fast and we do everything our way and we just want to get it done and out there as soon as possible. Then there's the bigger challenge especially like of a tech company where you have to do certain things in a certain way. Like you ha- you can't just release code when you want to. You have to get a QA, you have to get people, you have to get testing, you have to do this. So now we're like that's what he does, make sure our QA testing and all that fancy stuff is is working. So that's, that's a whole learning experience too. Is like Since I dropped out of high school, I've never actually had a real job, especially not as, as a programmer. So sure. having to be like the least qualified programmer <laughs> in the whole company, it's <laughs> like, oh yeah, teach me that thing and I'll learn it. <laughs> How big's the team, the
0: development team and the design uh, the team? The
1: development team, I think if you include like QA and that type of stuff, it's yep. maybe 20 people.
0: Okay. What about the whole company? How many total
1: employees? Last time, we, ch- it may may have gone to the last time, so we're probably between
0: 70, 80. Oh, wow. Okay. And what's been that kind of growth trajectory year over year? Or what year did ClickFunnels actually launch? We actually launched in
1: 2014, I believe. Yeah, 2014. But that was like, and then the whole year of coding it sure. and then actually launching 2014. And I think we did... Well, actually, I'll tell you a funny story about that. So when we launched, like anybody launches anything, is especially we were kind of used to like launching stuff. Especially Russell and myself and Todd, we've been a part of things that have done pretty well. So we kind of had the, you know, like, oh, we're geniuses. We can do this. this is the best product ever. So it's gonna, of course, <laughs> right. it's gonna be a million dollar product. Like obviously. And then so when we launched. The hardest part was getting all the technology done so we can actually do it but because we had a very specific date. And then when we launched, we're like, we're going to make a million dollars like the first month and it's going to be awesome from there. We launched, (laughs) a lot of things went wrong and then we ended up doing only $30,000 like recurring as the first month. Hmm. And we were all kind of depressed about this because it was like, this is not a million dollars, what's going (laughs) on? And I was telling my girlfriend and she's like, wait, you wanted a million dollars, but then now you're only making 30000 Like That's still a lot of money. I'm like, yeah, it is a lot of money, I guess. But like, it's not a million, right? And so that we wanted the, to the, to make the million dollars. And then the next month, we were at an event. So I think it was a Mike Filsaime's Marketing Genius event in San Diego. And R- Russell had a, a talk to do. And so he's like, well, what do you want to sell and whatever? And so he f- came up with the idea of uh, Funnel Hacks, which is basically like some training with ClickFunnels and then also six months of uh, the actual tool, right? He did the his presentation and we didn't know how well it was gonna go on and then but as soon as he was done he sold the room I think he sold like 40 percent of the room and I think we made over a hundred thousand dollars somewhere in between there and then we're like whoa this worked and it was a small room too so it wasn't like very huge and we're like damn like that worked so let's see if we can do this online with like webinars and everything and I remember right after that we we sold the people we were counting how much money we made and we're like it was myself Todd and Russell and we were going to dinner on an uber and we're like okay sweet like maybe this is maybe we're going to make the million dollars in the first month or second month that we wanted to do and russell was telling a story about how there was this marketing guy that would do radio ads for people and once he figured out the certain ad that would work he would call his client up and say hey, like you, you add work, congratulations, you're a millionaire. Because he knew once it worked, it would work at scale, right? And so he, Russell was telling the story to us, and he's like, I think this worked. It seemed to have worked. Congratulations, guys. We're all millionaires. And then I was like, what? That's crazy. And then that month, we did the first million dollars. So that was, that was really exciting.
0: Was that just from taking the lesson of, okay, Russell's great on stage. He's great at selling from stage. Let's scale that, and let's make that our primary channel?
1: Yeah, no, totally. It was all about from like webinars, selling the funnel hacks, and it, I think it was it was combining like especially for our market at the time like was very internet marketing type of entrepreneur focused. Yep. Is they needed the training and then the the tools. The tool wasn't enough. It was they needed the the insurance, and then they also like to buy like a one time fee. So it was like okay, six to twelve months, and then they okay now they got like the training, and then, then they can have the tool for this amount without worrying about it. Because a lot of entrepreneurs when we start adding like, extra expenses especially monthly expenses kind of freak people out especially for a new company you don't want to like invest too much so I think that was the key And then we just blew up there uh, and then what we all started doing is every time we did a webinar we would do at least $250,000 $300,000 and then since everyone was still in the launch phasing like launching a product and then like not supporting it then launching another thing right, right. you know like you know the whole thing that the people cycle, were doing yeah so we were like, okay, people are doing this. So let's be the back end to everyone's product launch. So everyone do a launch, get, you know, 3000 people in, they're automatically added to a webinar for funnel hacks. And then that's like, so if some people would make more money off our webinar, at least for profit than mm-hmm. their whole launch. Crazy. So that was a pretty sneaky and awesome thing that we did there.
0: Walk us through that a little bit more in detail. So somebody else is doing a launch. Mm-hmm. Walk me through the whole process of how you're attached to that back end.
1: Okay. Yeah, totally. So people would launch, you know, whatever it is, especially it was mostly for the internet marketing marketing world. So people would do a launch for some sort of product or a service. And then on the back of it, we we're basically like auto opting them into a webinar. So, and then they would get an email once they bought their product and say, sweet, like you're you're automatically opted in for the Q and A webinar for the for product X. Also, we have a special guest, Russell Brunson, who's going to be talking about funnel hacking and Click Funnels. So it was more like a, a chance for all these customers to talk about the product they just bought and then sure. see how they can go with like you know what Click Funnels is and everything like that. So the most of the webinar started with a like just some Q and A about the product. Okay, yeah, we're pushing that update. We're doing this. We're doing that. But anyways, let's talk about this. So it seemed like a part of the launch. It wasn't something. Oh, over here we're doing something different. It was pretty Got much it. a part of it.
0: So the continuity was there in terms of. Yeah, so it
1: didn't, the customers were more likely to buy into it.
0: And it seems it would have to be a launch related to online business in some, some yeah, form or fashion, like biz opportunity. Yeah. Got it. So just in terms of the current team, 70, 80 employees, is that a complete virtual team? mostly
1: we have the the office in boise idaho and that's where russell's from so we had like his dot-com secret success etc type of office and i think we have maybe now we just have we just got this huge huge office now i think we might have maybe 20 people there and that's mostly like the advertising it's mostly the marketing side of stuff for russell and like the people like that do all that kind of biz dev and everything that we do have a few support agents in there but for the the dev team is Basically, yeah, now the dev seems 100% re- remote and most of the support agents are remote. Gotcha. Do people directly report to you? It depends on what, because like some of the things, like we have a, a fragmented design team, because there's designers that help with like some of the marketing stuff with Russell. Then there's kind of like some of the UI designers. We have another UI guy, Dave Wazmer. He's awesome, but he also helps more like on some of the front end stuff in the app, like the stats and those types of things. So we don't cross path as much, but mostly like I the higher level. So anything super high level, I try and like know what's going on. If I can help, I try and help. But a lot of the times you just have to kind of like let some of them the guys just take ownership of things and be like, hey, you you run with that. You're awesome, making sure everything's good. But for the most part, anyone related to the to the editor team, so like myself, my brother, we have a few other guys that do that type of stuff, we all work together. There's no one really reporting to each other is like we all trust each other to make sure we get the job done and that type of stuff.
0: Got it. What are some tools you guys use to work remote and task management, project management, communication, all of that?
1: So I think an easier way to say is there, we probably list the tools that we haven't tried because I think we've tried literally <laughs> everything. Sure, And you know, and it changes like probably every three to four months where we have a different way of doing it, find out how Spotify does their dev team or their stuff. And then we try and model them, we find out how that companies do it. So we're always trying to improve right now, especially with the dev team, we're using Pivotal Tracker and GitHub and Slack. So we just moved from Slack from FlowDoc. But we've used like, you know, Trello, we've used Sokoku, we've used like all the tools, Skype, <laughs> we everything gotcha and this is just the latest flavor of the, of yeah, the quarter <laughs> what's working now in the way we want to work and then we might even the way we've we've tried to structure the company in terms of mm-hmm. of teams and like not just with the dev team but with a support team and like how we've all tried to do that was we try and mimic what we think is going to work like either scrum or like, you know cam or all those different things and then figure out where it's going where we kind of falling apart in some areas, trying to improve on it and then kind of get to where we, but I think that's going to be a challenge for any company that's this size, especially bigger companies. Like you're always going to try and figure out what's worked best. And especially what works at 20 people and 10 people doesn't work exactly at, well, 50 people. And then, you know, as you go, things stop working as well. So you have to adapt along the way.
0: Yeah. On that note, you know, at 70, 80 people right now, what is the ultimate vision for the company? I mean, are you guys looking to create new software products? How are you looking to scale just more customers? Interesting question. I think the one thing that we
1: always say, and Lisa, we always end our our Monday founder meetings always with like, is to take over the world. So what that means. Could you know it might be a little bit different for what Russell means and then what I mean. So Russell's very competitive, so he might think of like the whole world. When I think of the whole world is is anyone who sells anything online is we want to be a part of the the conversation at least of how to sell better. And so that's kind of and one of the things that I really like about this company is like this is and as a side note this is the one thing that I've always wanted to do. All all the products I've ever created and all the things I've done, I always thought creating. A marketing software that did all the stuff that I did for other people was gonna be the best thing that I wanted to do so I, I've done other products that I didn't like that I that I always have to ask like who's the customer why are they using this and once you start asking who's the customer and why are they using it like you're not in the, in the business you should be so this is like my favorite thing in the world i love click funnels I love what we're doing here and one of the things I like even more and this is kind of goes to the what we're trying to do is if you go up to like somebody that works at some Microsoft and you ask them about their software, they're going to talk about the features they have and how you can do this and that with the software. If you ask anybody in the company like what they can use ClickFunnels for, they're not going to tell you the features. They're going to ask you, what is your business? How are you selling? And then giving them like just the knowledge of marketing and, and stuff, now that, that you've helped them. Now you're like, okay, we just make it easy. So everything I just told you that we just do, that's like, it's make it easy. But we care so much more about their business. So however things change in the future, like if funnels or if websites stop being relevant and everything's in VR and there's like VR funnels, like we're gonna be right there. We love helping people so much and especially the marketing and the, the very geekiness of like having countdown timers and upsells and all that stuff that will make it work regardless. So the world, it's world domination is basically the goal <laughs> so <laughs> world
0: world domination and staying on the kind of the leading edge of of how sellings evolving online
1: yeah and like we want to we want to be there and there even I was thinking about this a few weeks ago, I was talking to Russell about this and I was like, what is the one thing, there's a question, I can't remember what it was, some book, and it was like, what is the one thing that allow your business to take off now opposed to before, right? And sometimes it's like, it's yourself, like, oh, I'm I'm more motivated now. But sometimes it's technology and the way stuff changes. One of the things that I believe made ClickFunnels and, and competitors like us really possible is tools like Stripe, where they made the merchant account accessible to anybody. Because if you remember, like you'll see, even like 65, even maybe three years ago to do a one-click upsell inside of Infusionsoft, you had to pay someone five to 10 grand to make that happen, (laughs) like just for that one feature. And with now a Stripe and and Braintree and all these things, now it just becomes easy. So that was one of the things that made it easier and also a better browser speed so we can make editing in the browser easier. There's all these things that kind of come up to make this happen. So I'm always trying to figure out what's the next thing that's going to make things that like is currently hard really easy that everyone's going to do so it's basically like democratizing some sort of technology that's going to make everything easy finding out what that is is kind of the challenge and kind of being ahead of where selling is going and as you just said like it's a challenge but it's a really exciting challenge because once you discover it it's like this changes everything we don't know what that is yet but we're we're looking
0: yeah. On the note of actual like software and staying on the leading edge, actually in some of the prep I did for this conversation, I read that you had spent six years building that website editing technology that ClickFunnels uses. Tell yeah. us more about that project. I mean, six years is a long time. <laughs> and then what made so, you yeah. start
1: building it? So yeah, six years, it wasn't consistently six years on the same thing, but it was probably yeah, about six years ago, maybe even longer because yeah, who knows? I had Lead Page Pro and it was basically because I was always fascinated with as a web designer, like you'd always have to get your client to like change stuff and be like, oh, edit the text and all that stuff, right? Move them, move the logo, make it bigger, move it smaller, do that. And so I was always fascinated with like CRMs, like systems that would uh not CMSs rather allow your client to edit the page. So there was stuff back in the day like that would, would you would make it easy in and interesting way. So I was always trying to build like the ultimate CMS for my clients that was more visual. And I launched Lead Page Pro, probably 2010, maybe 2009, somewhere in there. I can send you screenshots of this so if you want to go look at it. It's pretty fun, but it's basically like there's the text on it, and you edit it, and you pop up a little editor, and you edit the text. So that was the first version of what I'm doing, especially with the editor. And I remember launching it. Russell was actually my first JV partner on it, so he like sent an email, and then he. You know, sold a bunch of stuff, and I bought a car, and I gave it to my mom. It was really sweet. (laughs) That's awesome. I don't think I had any feelings beside Russell because I had other projects to do. But from then, I, I had the simple version, and then for the next six years, I kept redoing it. Like, and then, and kind of also, as I said, even the first product that I failed on was, I kept trying to do the ultimate thing because I felt like, and it was also starting to get me so tied to me personally, that I would accept other jobs and other, other projects with people. And then I, I would literally have no passion for it. But like, oh sweet, an SEO tool, like I I can build that, whatever. And then we launch it and then I make a few hundred thousand. It was like sweet. But I would never want to give up, you know, the editor part because I was like, that's me. Like as soon as I give this up into the world and it fails, I was almost scared that it like I would have no identity anymore because I was mm. I was able to do other people's ideas and things I didn't care about, but I was like, this is I'm keeping in. Like I didn't wanna I didn't wanna like, you know, you know, find out that I had to do something different. So it's kind of a, Yeah. So it was a kind of psychology thing. And so what happened was I built it probably four or five times, getting better along the way, figuring new technology, making it easier and stuff. And then when the story with with me and Russell – like, so I've known Russell for about six years before we started. So maybe now eight years, seven, eight years. And I was basically just doing designs for him along the way. And he messaged me one night and he's like, hey, do you want to come to Boise and do all this work? And I just got back from Thailand and I was doing Muay Thai and stuff. So I kind of took a year off doing that. And then he's like, hey, you want to come down? I'll pay you some money to come design some stuff. I'm like, you know what? I love you, Russell. I never actually met him in person until okay. that point sure. so I was like yeah I'll come to Boise like that's fine like I'm I'm kind of traveling right now anyway so let's go but as I was like hey I can help you as long as you're not going to be doing anything related to this and I at the time it was called Pulse Editor and that was like mm-hmm. my editing technology that i was going to release and he's like oh man that's exactly what i want you to do and i'm like damn it why do you <laughs> want to do this like can't you can't you do something else do your own something?
0: thing yeah yeah
1: seriously like come on now and then he's like he's like okay but like i really appreciate if you come down there's two other products that i, I want you to work at which was Actionetics and backpack which we've ended up putting into ClickFunnels. funnels by the time they were all three different products so I was like, "Okay, fine. I'll fly down to Boise. I flew down there, help them design it, even though they were my competitors." And I told them that, and I was like, "I love you guys, but like, I'm also, you know, competing against you." So I left them, and then I went for six months building out what I had to build. And at the end of it, I made a video, showed it to Russell, and he's like, "This is the video." And it was like a little sales video of like, "Here's how to use the editor and whatever." Sure. Like, I I spent like eight hours on it. It was, but it was like a minute video, and, and Russell watched it, and he's like. I hate ClickFunnels now. I'm like, why? He's like, because your thing is so much better. And I was like, well, damn. Like, and I even told him, I was like, well, I didn't tell you everything. Like, I hired, I just designed what you told me to do. I didn't add anything to it because I was your competitor. Like, I can't give you everything. alright. <laughs> And so, and then he's basically okay. So, I hate ClickFunnels now. And this was about three months before we launched in 2014. Oh, wow. Or maybe even a month. Like, it was ridiculously soon. And he's like, hey, what is it going to take for us to, you know, to merge those two companies into it and launch ClickFunnels the right way? Because I had like you know, changed his perception of what ClickFunnels was. I remember going to Popeye's Chicken with my girlfriend and being like, should we do it? Like, and I wanted the one thing I wanted was, I was like, hey, I don't want to stress anymore being the sales guy. Like, I don't want to do that whole thing by myself and run this company. Because I knew it's hard. Like, you have to get partners like if I can do tell anything anyone like you have to get partners that do the thing that you hate do it really well like if someone wakes up loves selling and you hate selling partner with the person who loves selling and wakes up loves selling like I don't like selling that much he loves it right so it was a big thing for me to try and give up and especially it was a an equity that it was lower than I'm used to because I'm used to working with two people 50 50 right and there was a lot of people more people involved with Click Tunnels. So I, I was like, hey, fine. If I can make a hundred thousand dollars and buy my mom a condo, then I'll do it. And that was like my thing in my head. So I was like, hey, let's do it. Let's, you know, like let's get it done. So I flew back down to Boise. Took about two weeks just to, to mash my code into their code and make it work. And then we launched and then we didn't make a bunch of money. So we were all kind of stressed and depressed. And then that's when the next month, when I was told you something, we made a million dollars. And then from there I was able to make the $100,000 after, you know, all expenses and stuff. And I got it wired to me and I was like, sweet, there's a hundred thousand us just enough to pay for this condo for my mom in the small town, bought it for Christmas, had an awesome Christmas. And it was like, it it all worked out perfectly. And I'm so grateful for Russell and the team and then Todd, my other partner for all making all these things happen and, and allowing me to actually work on stuff that I'm really good at every day. And like, And doing that, and I can see Russell's the the greatest salesperson ever, and he's my partner. Every time he sells something, I'm like, keep selling, bro. Like I love you. It's awesome.
0: That's amazing. That's a great story. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. So, I mean, obviously, ClickFunnels shot up after that 30k initial month, but surely there had to be some really like crappy failures along the way building it, stuff breaking, stuff not going as planned, revenue dropping, or has revenue dropped since since that.
1: No, so that's one of the things that we haven't really had to deal with as much is the revenue dropping. We've been growing pretty consistently. So the first, I think the first year was, since we only had like in the first 2014, there's only a few months we were actually like, you know, creating revenue. So I think we only did like a million something, maybe closer to 2 million. And then the next year was 10 million and then next year it was 30 something million and so our goal this year is 100 million so we're trying to like 3x as, as long as we you know as we go but there have been times most definitely especially when we have like you know had survey issues where we've been down for 6 hours and things like that where everything is questioned like you're it's like the worst 6 hours of your life and you're just thinking like oh and especially when you start knowing the numbers more like how much page views people are getting and how much money is generated like like if you look i think like we're like just alone in our in our architect and stripe alone i think we're doing over 10 million dollars a month or even more of just for our users right and that's just through people using stripe that connected through us, not that doesn't count people using PayPal, Infusionsoft, you know Baintree, and all these other tools, so when you know you're down for like an hour or you had like we were down for like I think two or three hours earlier this year because of an Amazon thing, that wasn't our fault. Amazon screwed some stuff up, but it was terrifying because you start thinking of the numbers and the peoples and the opt-ins and like you're just like no, we need to fix this this is and you don't want to stress people out, but like you want to shake everybody in the company like especially the you know the developers fixing it, you're just like. You're like, hey, like you're fixing it. I was like, yeah, we're all fixing it, but it's like you want to shake them, like you know what's happening right now. <laughs> right. You know how people like losing money, like you're freaking out. So, on there's that, most
0: definitely times where you just get super scared. <laughs> on the Amazon, obviously, there's a there's a big outage these past couple of days. Oh yeah, no, totally. did, that, did that affect you guys?
1: Yeah, no, it affected intercoms, so we couldn't do support, and then it affected also our images. So some of our images are on their caching server, which is great, so it worked. But some of them were just straight, straight from S3, so... You know your images weren't working, and sometimes, like even the editor would try and load those images, and wouldn't until those images were loaded, it wouldn't, you know, say it was loaded, so you couldn't use it. But it affected everything. I was trying to get some stuff with some designers, and they they couldn't send me the thing, and it was just like, yeah, I
0: think the whole Amazon controls the world. That's crazy, <laughs> it's, isn't it? The internet. So when they go down, everyone goes down. So out of all the struggles along the journey not just with ClickFunnels, but throughout your life, which one really makes you think to yourself, like, man, I wouldn't be where I am today if that hadn't happened to me?
1: There's so many, right? Because like, it would be hard to give you the single one, but like, probably the whole high school experience and just, like, I remember even when, when you go to high school people start drinking and they start doing like the whole you know teenage thing i remember even doing that and going through this whole period with the whole pressures of you know, disability and people you know how high school changed i thought it was going to be fun and awesome but it turned into this weird thing that was happening i remember even going out i didn't like i don't really drink i didn't start drinking until i was like 20 and i would go with my friends on the weekend and they were starting to drink you know cuz you're like you're just doing that and i remember thinking this is such a waste of time. You guys are going to spend here four or five hours going drinking, doing stuff where I can go home and learn C++. And I would just leave and then spend my whole night trying to learn something. I just felt like I needed to learn and I I needed to do it before anyone because I didn't want to wait for anybody anymore. So that was the biggest thing that I like. Even now, like I was just watching a thing about machine learning, which is one of our developers wrote a book on machine learning. Super smart guy. He just did a webinar with hacker earth and i'm now i'm learning about machine learning and i'm like this guy's so smart and we have him on our team like i just love learning so much and i love applying it so that was the biggest thing was just having like not letting this education system like where you wait you show up to class you sit there until he starts talking like learn it before he even starts talking learn it before you even get to the room like you got the internet like look that stuff up like if it's anything just look it up read it Figure it out. Like, oh, I love education. I love it. I don't like the education system, but I love
0: education. And it's crazy that you have literally at your fingertips an entire world of free education from YouTube, Google. Like, you can literally look up anything you could ever want to learn and probably find it for free.
1: Oh, no, totally. And it's even crazier than that. I was with some people. And like their parents were there and they had the one kid and they're asking me like, oh, you know, like what's advice for people to stay in school and stuff? And they didn't know my story because like (laughs) I was like, drop out, like, you know, don't do that. Like I'm the opposite of that. But then they wanted to be, like, a, a developer or something. And I was like, dude, like, you can go to iTunes right now, iTunes University. You can take Harvard classes. Like, at Harvard, all this stuff for free. And they're like, oh, that's cool. But, like, you don't get, like, a certificate.
0: Oh, goodness I was like, gracious. Who cares
1: about a certificate? You get to learn. You know, you're not going to go to Harvard. Like, you're not going to go to, you know, especially in Canada. Like You're not going to go there. You might. Like, that's awesome. But you can learn. You can watch it right now. And But then you can just tell the mindset. is like, well, you're not going to get this the piece of paper that's going to wreck you you for a job later on and like that's a different type of person and sometimes i also have a hard time understanding that there's normal people in the world that aren't aren't like us or some like i assume everyone's like super passionate and super entrepreneur and like wanting to do these things so i just can't understand how people don't get excited about things you want to do makeup like Watch freaking tutorials and start making your own tutorials. Start giving back. We're all a bunch of digital hippies trying to make the world internet better. So just contribute. Totally. And,
0: learn. and it's it's also kind of the mindset of consumption versus like producing, right? Like everybody is worried about you know I was just walking around at the mall with my wife and just looking around. And all these people are just out like trying to buy stuff, which obviously consuming is fine, right? But mm. I just like going back to thinking like you should be producing more than you're consuming, and if you're not. You're doing something wrong.
1: Yeah, Oh, totally. And, like, and recognizing what you like. If you purchase something, think of it like, why did you like it? You know, like, What was the thing you liked about it? How you can learn from it? And, and all those things. But again, that's a very entrepreneurial thing to think about. A very
0: creative-minded. So, yeah. So, fail-ons, obviously the mantra we live by here with the idea being that if you're not failing, you're not growing. How do you force yourself to get out of your comfort zone?
1: So I think like there's two things that if once you start to know me as as, as a normal guy, I'm very Mr. Magoo, so I do. I'm very clumsy. I'm also <laughs> like one of the silliest persons ever. So if, if there's anything to do it the right way, I'm probably going to do it the wrong way first and embarrass myself. So what I do is I don't think about the thing I'm going to do until I'm doing it. For example, if I'm going to get on stage, I got to event and talk or do something. I don't think about it at all because I don't want Like I'm not I don't like going on stage and doing that because it's uncomfortable. But once I'm on stage, I have no time to think about how comfortable I have to do something. I don't like roller coasters, but I still get into the roller coaster. Once I'm strapped in, I can freak out all I want. I'm doing it. I don't like helicopters, I don't like finding planes, but it's I don't think about it until I'm doing it. So I can get myself into any situation. Is the key is just not to think about or at least overthink about it until you're there. And then usually when, like what happens when you're there. You, you have no time to, to think or to freak out because you're usually actively engaged. The roller coaster is a bit different because you're sitting there. Now you have all the time in the world to realize it's going <laughs> right. to break at any
0: minute. Right. And you're standing in line for probably 20 minutes before, oh, yeah. before no, you're totally. getting just, on. Just
1: keep a conversation going. Yeah. Don't think about
0: it. <laughs> no, it's actually interesting. I love that approach is, you know, don't let the fear build up, right? It's more of just, okay, keep it out of, out of sight, out of mind. And then boom, you're doing it. And then you have no choice but to make it work.
1: And then you know what? And even if it fails, like it failed, like, you know, so what? Like you have to keep going. And then like my, my favorite thing to talk about, which I like through podcast so much is I love to talk about what failed because I notice when you, know, you ever meet somebody who like just talks about how great they are and how successful they are, it makes you kind of insecure about stuff like because you're just like, oh, wow, like this guy hasn't failed or this woman is like the, the most like like she's not even human. But then, when as soon as you talk, especially if someone perceives you as successful, and then you just all you talk about is the human reality of actually like the experience that we all go through is which is the failing, the insecurities the, the identifying like your product as yourself and all that stuff, and telling people like your product and it's hard because an entrepreneur you you are everything, like it's you, it's your identity, so it's hard to not attach yourself to it which you have to at some point but you have to attach yourself to like you know what you're actually trying to do rather than the thing itself but those things are hard and those things you have to go through it, especially like a lot of women want to do tutorials for makeup like telling them like there's always going to be that one person that's even more prettier than you or looks like better lighting than <laughs> right you. and you know what i mean like you just have to do it like but then there's someone else going to think that you're the most amazing person ever like the more you talk about the reality the more everyone feels better the more Everyone's allowed to say, man, I really screwed up. I bought an advertising, I like the first advertising I ever bought for a thing that I was selling. I forgot to put the buy now buttons. <laughs> I didn't put a link to PayPal. <laughs> and it took me a few weeks oh. to realize that I was depressed. I was like, no one's bought this. This is stupid. And why am I? I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm so stupid for thinking that anyone would buy this. I go look, click on the thing. I'm like, oh, Whoops. no one could even buy this anyways. <laughs> That's crazy. So, I mean, what's failure mean to you? Failure means you just haven't like, you haven't figured it out yet. Like it's just like the market saying nope, and then you figuring like you know, as long as you you're, you really want to do it, you're gonna find the way. That's why I tell people all the time is like the idea might be wrong or the approach might be wrong, doesn't mean what you're actually intending to do is wrong, unless you know like it's just a terrible idea for a product that no one really wants. But again, like if your idea is to help people, then it doesn't really matter. So failing is like is just what happens. Like. You know, I mean, if you ever tripped on something, does that mean you failed walking like you can't walk anymore? Like, no, you just tripped and now you look a bit silly. Lucky you don't do it in front of 100 people, you know, like I've done many times. Right. So, you know what I mean? So it's just like it's just what happens. It's a trait. It's a, It's
0: a thing that's real. We all do it. It's just reality. And then you learn from it and you get better the next time
1: yeah you know yeah totally just try not to trip as much or you know pay attention to where you're walking <laughs> i literally walked into a i was on a big street and i was looking at a sign on across the other street and there's all these bikes and there was like a few hundred people like just walking downtown i tripped over three bikes every bike i tried to get out of i tripped onto another bike and i was like super embarrassed but it's like you know i got up and like looked at everybody and was like i'm good and i kept walking i can still walk i failed walking miserably Mr. But I Magoo. Do it. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I believe that repeated trying, failing, and learning is really the primary factor in how quickly people and businesses see positive outcomes. So if there's just one directive or action item that you could give somebody that has a burning desire to create a better life, but just aren't sure of what business to start or what action to take, what would that be? So... You really got to like know like, so – I'm especially if you don't like – so it's like if you don't know what
1: you want to do, like if you don't know what problem you can solve, the, one of the easiest ways to do it is to think about what are your friends constantly asking for? Like if there's a thing or if you're the guy they always ask for, the lady, like if it's cars or this or that, and if you tell them the answer and their eyes light up and they're like, oh, like you're awesome. Like I never thought of that and you're constantly coming to you, that's one of the easiest ways to do it. And then you can know that that's your area. So if it's hair products or if it's whatever, then you can kind of get inspired to like go for that. And then the other thing is this: like, even if you're not sure yet of like what it is that you want to sell or how you're going to start, just start educating yourself, like, like listening to this podcast, going and watching free videos on YouTube about traffic, about marketing, learning all these stuff. Because the more you learn, the more you kind of, Reveal how things are done, and so you start noticing how you know retargeting Facebook on like ads on Facebook work, and you start to know like why people have opt in things with the emails and the buttons and what the buttons say, and things become a little bit easier. So when you feel more inspired to figure out what you're gonna do, you're not faced with okay, I figure what I'm gonna do now. What's the next step? It's all this marketing. And it's like super intimidating. Like the more you know, the the easier it gets, and the more you know where you kind of focus on. So education, learning and then figuring out kind of what it is that you want to sell. Because also just as a side note, I tell people this too, is you can get really successful doing something you don't like. So if you don't like your job and you're like, oh, I hate my boss and I don't like doing this. Well, you can do the same thing if you pick a business that you don't like, but that's you know, profitable or easy to do, get really big, make a bunch of money and hate it. So you're in the same spot, you might be making more money, but you're in a business where you hate your customers. Like. Like I've been there where you're like, I don't want to even want to talk to these people anymore. Yeah, they're they're ruining my coachella and I have to go email them <laughs> on my laptop, which has happened. And so like you don't want to get into a position like that. So you have to really assume that you can like or or not assume, but just like think that you can solve this problem. Because you're gonna have the lows, you're gonna have the times where you just don't like doing it. But you have to have the 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 reason why, right? You the like I want to do this because I'm grateful for this thing. Because you don't like success happens and sometimes success happens on bad ideas and you're in and things happen where you don't aren't happy with it so yeah that's uh i hope that makes sense
0: yeah no i'm following on the notion though of like education and learning how do you find that balance between because i know for me before i got started in business i was looking for that one perfect idea Mm -hmm. i was always trying to like look at blue sky ideas that were just huge ideas, where in reality, there's no perfect idea, right? It's just a matter of you can make money doing a lot of different things. It's just go do it. So how do you balance education and learning versus actually just going to do it, like go take action on it?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So, cause you're right. Cause you can learn all this stuff and, and and you learn so much about that and it starts becoming intimidating because you know everything about it and you know that you can't possibly do it yourself because there's too many areas to do. So, and what I've learned with programming is once you learn the, the little key thing that's going to spark everything. So for example, programming, once I learned an if statement, which is like if this, then that, then you can just build on top of that and you can build a whole system. Like if you think about anything, like any logic, it's, okay, if I got a blue thing, then do this. If it's blue and red, do this. If it's this and this and this, do this. And you, and it's a simple system that turns into a very complicated system. So for business, you need to find one of the simple things that you can get really attached to and then start getting that into becoming more complicated. So that might be like, like learning how to do an email list and email marketing. Like, oh, like I get someone's email. I can email them. And then if I just do that at scale, now it looks like this crazy complicated autoresponder series that does all the stuff, when in reality it's just one email that goes to a page. So I would focus on wherever that makes sense, whatever the marketing tactic that makes sense for your audience and for your thing you're doing it. It's going to be different if it's a, a retail product, if it's a coaching product or whatever the product is. But find the one thing that you identify with and you're like, I get that. Like if it's email marketing, if it's blogging, if it's whatever it is that you're like, I understand. Like this statement just made sense to me. I'm like I can do – I can rock in this statement like nobody else. And if blogging is your thing, figure out the thing about blogging and that little thing that's going to compound itself and just start doing that one thing because things can get overwhelming. Because I don't do – polymorphic, object oriented, you know, crazy algorithm stuff, machine learning. I just do if statements. So like that's sure. what I focus on. If you focus on the one thing that you love or that, that just resonates with you and just, you know, go from there. But as soon as you find it, you know, on your education path and you, you're watching YouTube, stop and do that. Like stop, like you're done. You, you learned the thing and just, just rock it.
0: I love that. Who's had the most profound impact on your life and what did they teach you?
1: Yeah. So I was thinking about this and like, there's a bunch of people. So obviously my family and some of the good teachers I've had, and then also some of the bad teachers I've had and like business partners. And there's a lot of people that I could say here, but one of the things that that is like a non-person that I really, really like. And I remember when I was doing video games, I wanted to do like, so not only did I want to make the video games, I wanted to like, you know, do the the music. I want to do all the art. I want to make the engine. And so when I was making the music, this is how crazy I am. I want to do everything is I was making the music with a, like software online that you can like make, you know, stuff like VSLs and whatnot. And then I heard a thing. It was like some composer and it was like, good artists borrow, great artists steal. And it was talking about, and there's, that's like a quote that's, you know, Steve Jobs apparently said it like all, basically Gandhi, Bob Marley, everyone has apparently said this thing. And I didn't understand it at first because I was like, okay, You know, obviously stealing's bad, so that's I don't really understand what that means. But once I understood what it actually meant, especially for what I meant for for music, was if you find like a a violin that's really good, or or a tone, or something that's like really good and makes you feel a certain way, is like steal the tone, like steal steal the scale that they're using in, and make your song with that. Like, but a good artist will borrow ideas. So what they do is like, oh, I kind of like that, so I'll take like half the idea or i'll take what i think they meant and then they end up doing their own thing which is good but you have to identify what's great and steal that exact same thing and so that's one of the things we do with funnel hacking which is knowing what's great and stealing it like a great sales funnel but like taking like don't even be creative like if they use a button that's blue and green and that has something on it says add to cart like just use that damn button and the problem with that is you need to know what's great because a lot of people know what's good and they borrow it, and they think that they're going from somewhere, but then they just literally have to take what's great and find out what's great. The challenge is know what's great, got it, yeah, so that's my most in- in profound thing, which might not make sense to most people until you're into that situation where it's just like this
0: makes total sense sure so there's not any one person that you would attribute anything to like well, besides my family and like i've
1: had so many so many good partners and bad partners and things, and yeah, sure. I, there's just there's just so
0: many things just I'm not a culmination of. Of yeah. all the people you've met that's led you? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And all the great conversations we've had at events and at dinners, like when we were dinner at we were at and all sorts of stuff.
0: Love it. What's next on the horizon for you? What are you working on now within ClickFunnels that you're most excited about?
1: So we're working on a lot more features, especially like the survey stuff, a lot more. What we're trying to do is is upgrade our game in terms of sales elements, especially like converting better. So anything we can do, little tweaks here to make people more money with conversions and stuff like that. One of the other things that's more exciting is opening up some of our areas inside of our platform for other developers to add into. So like an app, a marketplace where other developers can make new integrations with like a Shopify or other tools that come out. Cause what's happening is once we get to a certain Scale, like especially with 32,000 customers we have, we want to get to 100,000. We really need to leverage our community and showcase our community inside of the app and with the marketplace, where they can, like a developer, can make something that's very specific for one person or a very group of people. And we don't have the time to create it. Instead of telling right. them no, we can say, how about you create it? And then we'll we'll showcase you so you can turn the app on. So basically what Apple did with the App Store is that they're not going to create every you know calendar version or every feature of a calendar. So they let other people to make these calendar apps even though they have one. And that's one of the more exciting things that I'm personally working on. And then also as a company, we're working on Expert Secret, which is the book that Russell's coming out with. A lot of cool marketing and a lot of plans. We have some really fun plans that are in the works that are kind of secret about some viral videos that we want to get some pretty
0: hilarious comedians to come and make some stuff for us. So there's a lot going on. Very cool, man. So just to wrap up, how can our listeners learn more about you, ClickFunnels, and where can they actually find you personally?
1: All right, so clickfunnels.com, which we're our thing. We can also go to Facebook and go to our ClickFunnels group on Facebook. That's one of the best places to see our community. And then for me personally, you can follow me. Or I don't really have a lot of social presence. So, but like, if you want to email me, it's Dylan at clickfunnels.com. Dylan, like Bob Dylan, D-Y-L-A-N. And then you can find me on Facebook and you can become friends and
0: yeah. Awesome, man. I really appreciate you taking the time today and look forward to catching you next time. Awesome, appreciate you, man. All right, you can find Dylan at dylan at clickfunnels.com. He's at getnoto on Twitter. That's at getnoto. And of course, all the links and resources Dylan and I discussed, including more information on ClickFunnels, can be found at the page created specifically for this episode. You'll find it all at failon.com slash 009. In the next episode, we'll be sitting down with entrepreneur and speaker Joey Coleman and digging into simple, actionable advice that you can do immediately that will help kickstart your entrepreneurial dream and as I continue to build out this project with the simple goal of getting people to once and for all decide that they're going to fail their way to creating an inspired life, if you could do one thing to support that cause, I'd be super grateful. When you click the subscribe button and leave a rating and quick review, this will help the podcast be visible to more people. To rate and review the podcast, just visit failon.com/itunes or failon.com/stitcher. That's all for this episode of the Fail On Podcast. For more resources, show notes, and action items to help you find success in your failures, sign up for our mailing list at failon.com. For more actionable inspiration, we'll catch you next time right here on the Fail On Podcast.